<laughs> and we are love. Or as Jacob would say, live, 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 <laughs> He doesn't like how I read. <laughs> Cracking a joke about the names below. <laughs> okay, so we all know that writing code can be really difficult. That's why you pay people to do it. Unless you're dumb and then you learn to code. Shit. <laughs> that's where, well, that's where I went wrong. It's like, I'm going to yeah. learn how to code. Basically. <laughs> And the biggest thing is that no two projects are exactly the same. Even if you've done something a million times with very minor tweaks to requirements, there's always going to be those little differences. But if you're doing the same thing, the same type of thing over and over, eventually you start to notice similarities and patterns every time you do that thing. Like the basic overall, this is how I approach this. This is the kind of thing that I'll need. Yeah, and over time, developers have come up with solutions for similar problems in software development. Yeah. So like as you're building things, you see similar things. And these are known as design patterns. Design patterns. I didn't want to, I kept saying things because I didn't want to say patterns yet. (laughs) (laughs) But like, yeah, you'll see similar patterns in the way you structure and organize your code base. Yeah, like, hey, I have to implement notifications that's going to be the same across most apps. The general approach is going to be the same no matter what. Design patterns, they're reusable solutions for commonly occurring problems in software design. Yeah, and it's important to note that they're not a finished design. They're not the actual implementation, but they're a template for solving the problem that can be used in many different situations. Going back to the whole notifications thing, You might have different types of notifications, different notifying systems, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But that same general idea, we can say, hey, I want to use the observer pattern for notifications kind of thing. And we just we instantly know what we're what kind of idea we're talking about. Yeah. And now even developers get confused here. Trust me. I get confused all the time. Jacob gets confused a lot. Ben But we'll get into that later. (laughs) Ben is probably like, we are finally recording this episode because Jacob took three and a half hours to prep for it. (laughs) But even so, developers even think that design patterns, um, if it just involves copying and pasting your code from similar project to project, and that's not, it has nothing to do with your written code. Yeah, I see a lot of that online. People like to crap on it. And it's it's really something that's debated a lot in the software community. You can find a thread basically anywhere crapping on object-oriented programming and design patterns. People tend to argue that design patterns aren't useful because the implementation is never exactly the same. It's that special snowflake argument of, my app is so wildly different that notifications aren't going to function the exact same way. And I can't copy and paste my code from a different project and use it here. And the problem with this argument is it's looking at the wrong thing. Design patterns don't talk about the implementation. They just talk about a way to solve the problem. It's the overarching idea, not the nitty gritty code. Yeah. And so the concept popular, popular, the concept popular, popularized. We are living, live, 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 we live, are live. live. <laughs> the concept popular, popular. Oh my gosh, pop, you are 
popular. Do you need me to take this? Did I have a stroke? (laughs) That's what I'm trying to figure out. Popularized. The concept was popularized by a book. Thank you. (laughs) That's why we work well (laughs) together. By a book um, called Design Patterns: Elements of Reusable Object-Oriented Software. And this is this was written by the Gang of Four. And that's, for those of you who don't know, they're famous programmers. They wrote a lot of good material that shaped modern software architecture. They started the first nerdy gang. Basically, they'll, yeah. They'll shank you. You ever seen Weird Al's White and Nerdy? That's <laughs> <laughs> and these guys are Eric Gamma, Richard Helm, Ralph Johnson, and John. Lysidius? I said it like a you wrong. Romanized it again. <laughs> Lysidius. It took three and a half hours to get ready for this podcast because Jacob can't pronounce this dude's name. <laughs> I keep making it Roman. <laughs> oh, man. How often do you think of the Roman Empire? <laughs> Apparently a lot. Lysidius. <laughs> but that's not it. Um, it's Flacidus. Flacidus. John Vlicitis, I or think. Vlicitis. That could be wrong, though, too, because I actually don't know how to say his name. But I know it's not Vlicitis. <laughs> Darth Vlicitis. <laughs> so that's kind of... So those four kind of came up with the concept of design patterns for solving common problems that we run into. Yeah, they threw it into they threw design patterns into a book, talked about them and really set the tone for using these things in general. And that's important because design patterns are extremely useful if you're if you understand what they are and are using them right. And some of those reasons are first for consistency. It provides a common language for developers. For example, if I were to say to Jacob, hey, we're going to use a singleton pattern for this, then Jacob instantly understands after, you know, running it through ChatGPT for a while. Clearly. (laughs) (laughs) That, hey, we're going to be using a singleton. This is what that is made up of. And again, we'll talk about that in a minute. But it gives that consistency so that we have a basis to communicate with each other and say, hey, this is what we're building. And this is the general idea of how we're going to get there. Yeah, how it needs to work. So it's also efficiency, right? Mm -hmm. You avoid reinventing the wheel. So you're leveraging proven solutions. And like Ben said, if we're doing singleton, I know exactly what he's talking about. Yeah, and it's also important to talk about the fact that using design patterns properly and understanding them properly helps us understand what we're not building. We ran into that with an app that we were helping a company with. And we were told, hey, this is being operated by a singleton. The documentation said singleton. The class names said singleton. And you probably remember this. When we started doing some digging on some really weird bugs that were happening, the problem ended up being what we were told was a singleton was not in fact a singleton. Yeah, I remember. We were having state issues. Mm-hmm. So we had multiple instances of a service we were relying on 
for consistency. Mm -hmm. And we were getting all this random crazy behavior out of this app and we couldn't track it down. Like it was a music app. We'd press the next button to move to the next song and it would skip three or four songs in the middle. And it wasn't <laughs> consistent with how many uh -huh. it was skipping either. It was just it basically as fast as your computer was probably or your phone was processing the singleton creation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and a lot of it ended up being, hey, I pressed next after waiting two minutes and it skipped twice. I, I pressed it after waiting three minutes and it skipped five times. And we could we had a really hard time understanding what the crap was going on. We didn't even know where to lo log bugs like we weren't even looking in the right places because we yeah. assumed our singleton wasn't the problem <laughs> mm -hmm. because it was a singleton yeah <laughs> we were told hey it's a singleton yeah. so we assumed this singleton is a singleton and we're using that word a lot we're going to go into it in a second but we were being told it was one thing and it Time was out. not let's just talk about what a singleton is for a five-year-old right now fine since we're talking about it so much all right so <laughs> i Jacob's really excited about this i personally i never knew you could do this until today either i personally struggle with um it, like if i haven't worked with a pattern singleton is super easy that one i actually understood but then i just had fun seeing what chat gpt would spit out i didn't know you could ask chat gpt to explain things to you like you're five and like with other patterns, I have a hard time like conceptualizing them. And so I thought this was a great way. So I asked ChatGPT what a singleton is and explained it to me like I'm a five-year-old. And so it goes, let's imagine you have a toy box. Now, no matter how many toys you have, you only have one toy box to keep all your toys. Even if you go to another room, you still use this one toy box to keep all your toys organized. You don't get a new toy box every time you get a new toy. You always use the same one. This is like the singleton pattern in programming. So in programming, a singleton <laughs> is like one toy box. No matter how many times you need that toy box, it's the same one. So you have a consistent state. So like um database connections if you're connecting to a database yes you want you're going to connect through the same connection every time mm -hmm. yeah one instance instance <laughs> <laughs> one instance of whatever service you're using yeah and we didn't have this in the notes but i i want to kind of note it that a lot of the problems that programmers tend to have with design patterns can also come from improper use of them. For example, a lot of people say that, you know, in, in when building a game, your player controller should be a singleton, but it shouldn't be because what if you introduce multiplayer or, you know, you have two or three players, local co-op, that kind of thing. And suddenly the singleton isn't a singleton, it's being used wrong. And then programmers jump on that and say, see, singletons are dumb because I don't know how to use them. Like with your examples, database connections, yes, you only want one. Yeah. But if you have something listening for database connections, like to what the database is responding with, that doesn't have to be a singleton. And that can cause a lot of problems if you use it that way. And it it's nuanced, it's complicated, but that's also where a lot of the hate for design patterns come from. Well, there are also other ways to deal with state too, yeah. not just with singletons. Yeah, 
but people tend to jump on design patterns and say these are bad because they don't understand how to actually use them is yeah. what I'm trying to say. And to go back to where we left off before I side tangent into my five-year-old <laughs> um, singleton thing, like when we were talking about- You were just really excited to talk about it. That's, I was. That's all it was. But you're like, that is a good point to like why design patterns are important because it makes maintainability easier, right? Yeah, in absolutely. That, in that case, it wasn't easy because a singleton wasn't implemented properly. And so our singleton wasn't a singleton. And so we assumed it was acting like a singleton, but it wasn't. Going back to your toy box thing. If I had four I or like five, toy box thing. I'm just running with it, man. But <laughs> <laughs> if I had four or five toy boxes, that's what was going on in this instance with the app was we were pressing the next button, expecting the toy box to spit out one toy. What we didn't know was we had four or five toy boxes surrounding us and they were popping up as we went. So at one point we had two toy boxes and at one point we had five toy boxes or seven toy boxes. And we couldn't figure out why we, we got a red dinosaur sometimes and a green dinosaur, <laughs> but we were getting them from different toy boxes. <laughs> yes. And so whichever toy box was last was spitting out whatever toy it thought it should be. After all the toy boxes were going in a line saying, okay, the next toy, like if we had a line of toys, if we had this queue built up, one toy box was saying, okay, red dinosaur, two boys, two toy boxes was saying red dinosaur, green dinosaur, three was red, green, blue. And we'd press the button. And when we just had one, we'd get the one. When we pressed the button and we had three, but didn't know it, we'd get a blue one. And we're like, what the f why I think is this, this is going to be our best episode. <laughs> toy boxes and dinosaurs. Like. Jacob really likes toy boxes. It's a problem anytime he's here. <laughs> he just he doesn't do much when we're here other than record. He just goes downstairs to my kid's toy box and That's plays true. around. It's and now they locked them all with those child it's true. safety things. I'm hoping it deters you a little bit, but we'll see. And so you might ask chat GPT how to get around those. In instances. fact, I think our episode, our last episode was scalability and design patterns help a lot with, um, scal yeah, scalability for sure. They can, they can make or break the scalability of your app if you're doing things properly. And it's, it's just a matter of communication and architecture and using them properly. And that helps you write clean code. And it helps you come up with ideas on solutions for problems at a high view, like from a high level before you dive deep into the nitty gritty. And that helps you see potential problems and scalability issues. Because like I was saying with the whole game thing, if we're discussing how do I write a player controller and I say, okay, well, we'll use a singleton. Then somebody can say, well, what happens if we want multiplayer? And then we go, oh, that's not going to scale very well, is it? And then we can think about that and come up with a better solution. So it absolutely can help with scalability. A gen server, multiple gen servers mm -hmm. with Elixir. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so when are design patterns really useful? When you're uh, facing like recurring problems. Mm -hmm. So in the music app problem, right? Mm -hmm. We didn't have consistent state. So we could find a pattern 
and implement it correctly to have consistent state. Yep. And it's that idea of, hey, we've done this kind of thing before. This is the approach that works. And then like you were talking before, like the observer pattern. Mm -hmm. it, um, we'll get in. No, maybe we won't. Yeah, we will. We'll be talking about what the observer pattern is. But essentially, um, you you are listening for signals being broadcasted, mm -hmm. right? And so everyone can hear the broad. Ooh, everyone heard that. <laughs> everyone can hear the broadcast. Headphone check. <laughs> so everyone can hear the broadcast, but only certain things are prepared to actually like take receive them, it, receive it, and yeah. do work with it. Yep. So there are certain things that it it's just made to solve recurring problems. So. If we had an issue with like, how, how can we notify, you know, three, three of our, how do we players? tell three systems at the same time that something is going on? Yeah. Then without, we can, yeah. Without having a race condition or anything yeah. like that. Right. Then just, we can say, Hey, why don't we just use the observer? Why can't we just broadcast it? That was beautiful. Thanks. I brought a, brought a tear to my eye. <laughs> So yeah, that, and then uh, they're also just for building scalable and maintainable systems, mm -hmm. which we just talked about. Yep. And again, communicating solutions among developers, planning things out and refactoring and improving existing code. Like yeah. Jacob mentioned with the whole, hey, this wasn't implemented properly. Let's actually implement it the right way. It just helps with those discussions. I think the most important thing about having set design patterns is the language, mm -hmm. right? Us as developers, we have a language. And yeah. now we, we know what we're talking about. I mean, it's just like any field, you know? Every field has its own lingo, its own discussion point, like terminology that's used and codes that are used. It's just the exact same thing. Yeah, exactly. And then like, even when you're like, you know, learning a language, you have word like, when you're a developer, there are words that are used universally on the, on the massive scale universally, right? It doesn't matter universally. It doesn't matter what language you're in, mm -hmm. but like object-oriented programming, functional yep. programming, um, design pattern names now, but like parameters, objects, uh, um, database tables, like all these things. No matter what you're programming in, you're going to know what they are. They mean the same thing. Right, exactly. Yeah. Let's talk about some of some of the most common design patterns. There are a lot of them, and everybody argues about which ones are most common. We're just going to clear through a couple to give you examples um, to, to help understand what we're talking about, how they're used, what some examples of these things are. So the first one that we were going to talk about is a singleton. singleton. So let's imagine you have a toy box. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, we already talked on singletons and singletons are, they're used quite often. And explain a toy box to me like I'm five years old. Explain a toy box to me like I'm five years old. So just to just reiterate real quickly, it just ensures that like a class only has one instance. Mm -hmm. So no matter how you're accessing it from any anywhere in your app, there's only like one point of access or one state of truth. Yes. So singleton's pretty straightforward. The second one is the factory method. Factory method. 
So this is, you, you define an interface for creating an object and then it allows you to use subclasses to create an object. So you're not, you don't have to change things on your main class to build whatever you want. You yes. basically make specialized subclasses. Subclasses, is that the word yes. I could use? All right. So we also have chat you are so excited about this you're we also have chat gpt to explain this to us like we're five-year-olds <laughs> it's not a toy box though yeah. imagine you have a toy machine you tell the toy machine what kind of toy you want and it makes the toy for you you can ask for a car and out comes a car or you can ask for a doll and out comes a doll what kind of doll are you looking for jacob do they happen to be inflatable <laughs> Don't pervert my five-year-old. <laughs> Don't pervert this. <laughs> so that's kind of how the factory pattern works in programming. So like you have this overarching class that is the toy machine, right? But your toy machine doesn't know how to make a car. Yeah. But you can implement, you can pass in this entire car class and now it knows how to do it. And so that is what the factory method is from like, yeah. So in programming, a factory is like a toy machine. When you need to have a new object, like a toy, you just tell the factory what kind of object you need and it gives it to you. This way you don't have to make the object yourself. The factory does it for you. Ben loves these examples. So that is what a factory method is. It um, You can basically always add to it without breaking or taking away from the capabilities it already has. Mm -hmm. Do you want to add anything to it? That, no, I, I think I think the five-year-old method. I is. think the five-year-old method's working great for you. <laughs> uh, uh, we'll be back after a short word from our sponsors and my stroke. <laughs> <laughs> he actually Ben likes it. Don't I him, do. Don't I, do. I think you. it's funny. So another pattern that we were going to talk about is the observer pattern, and we've mentioned it a couple of times going through things. But that's typically where you have one kind of broadcast and you have a bunch of people, a bunch of different functions, units, whatever you want to call them, devices, listening for that broadcast. Think of it kind of like a radio. So you've got a radio station, it broadcasts from a tower, and then you can have 500 cars sitting around with their stereos on, listening to the radio to that station. And they all get it at the same time. They all get that information. And the the radio station does not care who is listening. It doesn't need to know any details about, well, I got to let Jacob's car know. Now I got to let Ben's car know. Now I got to let this other car know. It just sends it out. It just assumes it gets there. Yeah. It doesn't need feedback. And everybody's just listening. Yeah. And like a more real example with programming is things like notifications. So when you're on your phone and you're, you have an app open and a notification happens, that's because the app is typically listening via the observer pattern. And it's just, it's got a hook into the server saying, Hey, I'm just listening for any notifications that are mine. And the server will send one down and say, Hey, here's a notification. I don't care what you do with it. And it's, it's a very event driven design pattern. Amber alerts are a good example. Too. Yeah and Amber Alerts with your phone. It's just a matter of 
this entity is listening for something and it's going to receive all of these notifications, receive whatever. And if it decides, hey, I need to do something with this, then you can do something with it. Another example of a design pattern that I use a lot is called the strategy pattern. And that sounds really generic and dumb. But there's but so much strategy there, behind there's it. There's so many strategy, all of the strategy. <laughs> it's all strategy. The purpose of it is to define a family of algorithms and encapsulate each one, just make it separate, make it its own separate entity that doesn't depend on other things and make them interchangeable. Some examples that people would be familiar with are payment gateways. When you're going to make a purchase online and it gives you the option of, hey, I wanna use my credit card or PayPal or a bank transfer or Venmo or insert service here, the app itself doesn't care about how it gets your money for you. All it cares about is, hey, they selected a payment gateway. They used it. We got our money. It worked. It worked. Yeah. And that's all it cares about. And that's a good example of it. In game development, there are tons of examples with things like physics, collisions. It's just saying, hey, did I hit something? And that's what you actually access. And underneath, it's got a million different strategies, which is why it's called the strategy pattern for well, what if I have a box collider that hits a convex collider or a capsule collider or insert any number of things here? Enemy AI is another example of that. It's just the idea is to make interchangeable entities that can be used for that and accomplish a task and be able to swap them out. I was going to say easily. like a good not necessarily just with the strategy pattern, but a good benefit you get from using tactics like this mm -hmm. is you will be writing a lot better code. Oh, you absolutely. You'll be tightly coupling things and The all technical that. term for the strategy pattern, it relies on abstraction. There we go, yeah. And so it's going to help you, like Jacob said, write much cleaner code. And it's going to help you look at things and write things better and plan for things and you're gonna end up with a much better product going this route. Even if you only have one strategy when you first start, right? Mm -hmm. You still are already thinking about that. So yeah, your abstraction, well, and you're it's, not tightly coupling it's like that an one strategy in. cost. Yeah. Because if you tightly couple yourself to one strategy, say for example, we made an e-commerce app. We said, hey, we want a payment gateway. We are only accepting Stripe right now and we tightly couple Stripe into everything and integrate it directly into the app. And Stripe decides for whatever reason they're not gonna serve us or we get feedback from customers saying, hey, we can't use Stripe in whatever country we're in or difficult yeah. insert difficulty here. If we go back and try to change that, it's now gonna take a really long time. It's to make a that lot work. harder to add a payment or change the payment style just because you didn't think about it. Yeah. And it doesn't even have to be that that dire. Say, for example, back when Apple Pay was first introduced, tons of apps took forever to put Apple Pay into it. Some of them had it practically next day. And the reason they were able to do that was because they used something like the strategy pattern or the adapter pattern uh, is another name, is another pattern that's close. But essentially, they were just saying, hey, instead of having everything tightly coupled, we're going to remove it, abstract it out, 
so that we can insert a new strategy instantly and it still works. You should actually use this for any third-party integrations. That yeah, we use. absolutely. I do. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. All right, guys. <laughs> the last pattern that we're going to talk about is the decorator pattern. So imagine you have a toy box. Wait, time out. Don't ruin this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the purpose of this is you can attach additional responsibilities to an object dynamically without altering its structure. Mm -hmm. But that's so confusing. What does it mean? What does it mean? <laughs> All right. Imagine you have a plain cookie. Oh, it's not a toy box nope. this time. All right. It's, it's yummy, but you want to make it yummier. So you decide to add some chocolate chips on top. Did now you really just use the word yummier? Yeah. This is for five-year-olds, bro. <laughs> Can I have a straw? So now you have your cook. Now your cookie has chocolate chips on it. All right. So you start with a plain cookie. You wanted chocolate chips. Now you have chocolate chips on your cookie. But now imagine you want to add some frosting on it too. So you have to put some frosting on your chocolate chip cookie. Probably now, should have thought of that before the chocolate chips. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but now it has chocolate chips and frosting on it. So that's the decorator method. So think of your cookie as the object and the chocolate chips and frosting are the decorators. So you start with a plain object, the cookie, and then you can add things to it to give it more features or make it do more stuff. So basically, you can create an object without like having a giant like initializer. Yeah. So you don't have to add all 50 also parameters. Known as a constructor, or, yeah, a constructor. What did I say? Initializer. Initializer. <laughs> I mean, it's the same can, idea. You can initialize a class. Yes. Or you can. <laughs> construct an object or you can construct an object for anyone who's concerned after we're done recording this i am in fact taking jacob to a toy store and crumble cookie so i hope so um <laughs> so yeah it allows you to just uh basically you create your object as simple as possible and you can just add to it as you go but you don't have to yeah so you don't have to use the full functionality of your object you could just eat the plain cookie if you wanted to yeah. or you or, can make it yummier or you can make it yummier and put chocolate chips on top oh so those are some examples of <laughs> those are some examples of design patterns actual implementation of them hopefully that helps clear things up as as to why they're important and why it makes sense that they're so useful for communicating things for example, if I said to Jacob, hey, we need to build notifications and we're going to use the observer pattern, he now knows all of that subtext. And if he tells me, hey, we're going to build this thing and we're going to use the decorator pattern, Where you, we need to make I this know he wants a <laughs> <laughs> uh, But it's really important to understand the design patterns. And even if you're just looking at things from the business side of things, it's still good to have an idea of how things are working. And I feel it is important to understand the basic lingo so that when your programmers are telling you things, you can have an intelligent conversation and understand what the crap they're talking about instead of just, you know, kind of staring at them blankly and yeah. going, yeah, cookies sound good. This is just an added tool for, yeah. you know, your developer's toolbox. And there's no like strict rule behind them. Mm -hmm. like you can use multiple patterns. 
You can use concepts of them as long as it makes your project yep. scalable and functional and bug-free. A hundred percent. So it's just important to understand the underlying problems that these things solve, why they're useful, rather than forcing a pattern into a solution where it doesn't fit and just have a general idea of how it's working. Why don't we talk about um, model view controller? I don't know, because UI stuff. UI interactions and that kind of base level architecture didn't really come to mind when we were writing the list. But that's a good one. I mean, we can talk about it real quick. I just feel like it's so common. Yeah, it is pretty common. And model view controller is just a way of separating out the logic within the app. And it's it's a way of doing it. And there are a whole bunch of sub break off approaches like MVVM and Viper and all that. But MVC is essentially just separating things out. So you have the model, which is the actual object itself handling all the data, the view, which is what the user sees. Your UI. Yeah. And then your controller that does the data manipulation. Yeah. Or that says, hey, that create me one of these yeah. or hey, update this. Yeah. And or create a thousand singletons, please. Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, that's a good one too. Yeah. See, there, there are tons of design patterns and it's insanely useful to be able to talk about. For them. sure. And there's a there's there's a ton of books on this. Mm-hmm. Um Design patterns, elements of reusable object-oriented software, and then um, the head—the head-first one. It's just called design patterns. Yeah, I think it's head-first like, design patterns. It's a good. That's a great. That I think that's the first design pattern book that I read, actually. Yeah. So there are also game-specific ones, and yeah, you know, there there are specific ones for all kinds of different use cases and different environments. It's yeah. not just overarching. No. Hey, every programmer uses this design. And like to be honest, I only I only know uh, like a small handful because for a lot of things that we do, you don't have to be you don't have to know like I have Chat to, GPT. I have to look them all up, man. <laughs> don't worry, <laughs> don't worry. I'm constantly looking things up because my brain only holds so much. I think I get like two days of information in there. <laughs> <laughs> On that note. <laughs>